Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Premier League preview show for game week 18 of the 17-18 season. I'm your host Tom Rennie and coming up on the show, Manchester City have won 15 in a row. They take on Spurs this weekend. Is it even worth talking about whether Spurs can stop City? No one's going to be able to stop City, but we're going to do it because we're contractually obliged. The rest of the league, very exciting though. Man United, Chelsea, Spurs, Liverpool, Burnley and Arsenal all chasing down Champions League football. No, that wasn't a little red herring I dropped in there. Burnley are in the mix for the Champions League. We'll also talk about the bottom of the table as well, where West Ham have stopped losing and the teams above are pretty concerned about it. It's the Premier League preview show. Right, loads of great games coming up this weekend in the Premier League after a very busy Tuesday and Wednesday. The early game on Saturday, Leicester against Crystal Palace. Across the UK time, three o'clock. We've got Arsenal against Newcastle, Burnley going to Brighton, Chelsea against Southampton, Stoke West Ham and Watford against Huddersfield Town. The late game is that cracker between Man City and Spurs. On Sunday, West Brom Man U is followed by Bournemouth Liverpool, Monday Night Football. Everton against Swansea. A massive week in the Premier League and a big week as well for me and Talk Sports football editor and preview show producer and co-host David Walker because, I mean, we had the Christmas party Monday. Who has a Christmas party on Monday? I'm still, days later, hungover. I'm tired. I'm ill. Going into Monday, I'd never felt so good. I mean, I feel like we should do some kind of official complaint to the management. We're getting old, Tom. I'm so old now. We used to three day, three day hangover. <sighs> so unwell, so unwell. Covering you had the, to commentate on Tuesday night. I mean, for for those listeners who who heard me doing Huddersfield Chelsea on Tuesday, I was very pleased that you and Roberts had lots of anecdotes. <laughs> uh, it was real. <laughs> well, there tough. wasn't much going on in the game, was there? Thankfully, the game. I mean, if you had an exciting game, I think I probably got the only dull game of the nine on Tuesday and Wednesday, and I'm really thankful for it because I was in a, a, a real bad way. But, you know, pro, styled it out. We had fun, though, on Monday, didn't we? We had a very, very good time. Everything up to 11 was great. The 11 till 3 stretch, uh, still sketchy, and I'd like to leave it that way. Okay. Um, let's talk about the football, and let's yeah. talk about some brilliant football in midweek. Uh, I love the Premier League midweeks. They're my favourite time of the season. Uh, seven games simultaneous saying, on Wednesday as well. We you want more it, of this? Bring back the, uh, the 2014 Premier League and make it like the Championship. I think that's Tuesday, a great idea. Tuesday, Wednesday, every week. I like everything about it. I mean, we could shorten the season, get a nice winter break. We can have our week hangover for the Christmas party. It'd be all there. Um, the top story, let's talk about Man City. Uh, they were always going to beat Swansea. That's fair enough. Like, there's no scenario where they were never going to beat Swansea. Um, but 
Another 4-0 victory. David Silver again, sensational. He was, wasn't he? I mean, how many times down the years, and we've been talking about David Silver for what, six, seven years in the Premier League, well, well, and we well, always well, talk about we? he doesn't score no, as many we, goals. Have we, though? Have we? Well, I, don't, we know, I don't know. If, if This season, he's played so well in this, in this Man City side that are breaking all records before them. And it feels like now he's finally getting the credit that he deserves. Mm. He's always been a brilliant player, but I do feel that he's sort of been overlooked. Is that because of his goal record? Though? Maybe, yeah. And now he's scoring goals. If you goals. watch Man City play, when they've been good, when they've won titles, when they've run teams close, when they've won FA Cups and, and that over the last five, six years or however long it's been since he's been there, mm. it, if you actually watch them week in, week out, yeah, he might not score all the goals or get all the assists, but the contribution that he makes in play, just doing what he does, he's so important and he's flourishing this season. And I think it was on uh, Sunday when Noel Gallagher on Sky Sports in, in, in England here, he said he thinks he's the greatest Man City player of all time. I've seen that quite a lot as well, the, the hashtag that really annoys me, G-O-A-T. Uh, but a lot of City fans have been saying that about him, but I think that... We've always thought he was a fantastic player. We always thought he could win a game. But I feel like I've spoken many times about the fact he doesn't score enough goals. And you go through his goal-scoring record with Man City, it's a probably a one-in-six, one-in-eight kind of does ratio. Does he have two, though? Well, I, he's I, giving so much to the team. If, if you're going to be considered to be a team's greatest player of all yeah, time, maybe. you need to have done all of those things. And we're in an era now where, you know, I like to think of it as the let's pretend Mesut Ozil is any good era because everyone talks about how amazing he is because of his chances created. The Dimitri Payet season, where it was Dimitri Payet has completed more or created more chances than any other player in Europe and, and things like that. You get so boiled down in these statistics. When you actually watch the game itself, now I think David Silva's winning this game on his own. Was I thinking that two, three years ago? I don't think I was. I was thinking, what a great contributor hmm. to the great stuff City are doing. Right now, specifically the Swansea game we just watched a couple of days ago, he almost won that on his own. The way he's playing, the way he's... Some of the stuff between him and De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva as well. It, it's really great to watch. And, and it's not surprising it's great to watch because this is, so far, the best ever start to a Premier League season. The longest unbeaten run. The most amount of goals. It's nearly Guardiola's best run as well. He's four wins away from his best ever winning run as a manager in league competition. He won 19 in a row uh, between October 2013 and March 2014 at Bayern. And we used to almost sort of belittle the Bundesliga for how easy it was. We still Bayern. do. Yeah, but now Man City are doing the same thing this season. And it's quite incredible. I remember at the start of the season, the week before the, the first show, we, we did our predictions and I, I picked Man City mm-hmm. to win the league. And then this isn't me crowing and saying, look, I, mean, I, was, I, was right, like I was right all along. Because it's got the feel of crow. Even when I, even Am when I, I eating crow now? Even, Is that what this show has become? <laughs> even when I said that, I didn't... I had in no way did I think they would mm. completely dominate as much as they have done. And you even managed to convince me that I'd made the wrong choice by the end of the episode. Well, very persuasive. Yeah. Very persuasive. And, you know, they are sweeping all before them. And it's one thing beating Swansea 4-0. We've talked about Swansea. We know they're not very good. Mm. Um, but they they made light work of Manchester United at Old Trafford on last Sunday. And that that's another thing altogether. And at the moment, they look unstoppable. Spurs go to the Etihad on Saturday. Spurs have had a decent record there in, re- in recent years, but they've got a big, big challenge on their hands. Uh, we'll talk more about the top of the table as we preview the weekend's action, but 
One team we didn't think we'd be talking about in this section. Uh, the proudest man in Proudsville, yeah. uh, Sean Dyche. Uh, they Rightly went temporarily so. up to fourth on Tuesday. Dropped down a couple of spots uh, after Wednesday's games. Um, and I can't see any reason. We're in a, we're in a post-Leicester era now. We're in an era where a team like Leicester, who maybe are, had a better squad than Burnley, sure, at the time, but they were never, ever going to win the Premier League in anyone's minds. Even in April, we didn't really think they were going to do it. No. There's no reason why this Burnley team, with better organisation, cohesion, and everything than what Arsenal have shown in the last few months. Uh, and what, I mean, I would rather right now be playing Arsenal than I would Burnley. Mainly because... With Arsenal, you don't know what you're going to get. We've got another inconsistent week from them, whereas Burnley just keep winning games 1-0. Which is why it would be fascinating if you were able to put Sean Dyche in charge of Arsenal next season. Finally get rid of Wenger, mm. and obviously they're not... You know, who knows? But you'd be extremely surprised if they were to announce Sean Dyche as his, as his successor. But... Big clubs, maybe not quite as big as Arsenal, but bigger clubs than Burnley have got to be looking at Sean Dyche now, surely. Mm. The job he's done and is doing, continues to do, with Burnley is astounding. He makes what are, on paper, relatively average players better. Mm. He improves them as individuals and as a collective. You know, They seem to do everything right. The club's very well run. They stuck by him when they went down. They came back up. And now... They're just compounding their critics every week. We're all expecting them to fall away. Last season, they couldn't win away from home. He sorted that out. They're really solid, but they've got, they have got they do play some good stuff as well. I know it's easy to decry them as sort of long ball and stuff, but you know, look at some of the goals they've scored this season. They've been pretty impressive. Mm. Um, and there's a great article in The Sun this week about money spent per Prem point this season. I loved it. Uh, Burnley have spent £39.5 million for 31 points. That's £1.3 million per point. It's all a bit arbitrary, but I really like it because yeah. it, it, just, it shows again that for the money spent, they have really done very well. And, and it goes to your point about where Sean Dyche might end up and what he might do. What a chairman want? What are people looking for a, a better manager want? They want value for their spend. And he, they've spent effectively, they play effectively, and they're very much in the mix. There's no reason to think they won't be in the mix. They even got a serious injury to Robbie Brady a couple of weeks ago, and still they win games. They bring players in, are still able to, to get decent wins. Um, very, very impressive. I think they, they've got to be, you know, top four, I think, will be beyond them this season. I don't know, mate. I, I don't no, know. Honestly, I think it will, once things even out a little bit. You and bit. your realism. But... I'll convince seventh, him, don't though, worry. Seventh, European football is very much a possibility for them because I do think seventh spot is up for grabs and you know that can often end up in a, in a Europa League place if certain things go right in Europe and with the top six teams. Um, they, they're as good as anyone outside that top six. Uh, briefly to Arsenal, yeah. uh, draw against West Ham uh, this week. Three games without a win in the Premier League for the Gunners. Not Jack good. Wilshere starts for the first time in 500-plus days. Yep. Um, Newcastle this week, we'll get onto a preview a bit later, but again... I mean, we're having to say the same things about Arsenal. They find themselves seventh after 17 games. They are 19 points off the top. And going into the weekend, someone asked Alexandra Lacazette, so do you think you're out of the title race? And I, I can't believe he didn't say, what are you asking me? What are you asking me if, if somehow City aren't going to exist? I don't understand. There's no question there. They were never in it to begin with, were they? No, not this season. Not at all. It's about top four for them. It's about getting back into the top four. Mm. They didn't make it last season for the first time in 20-odd years. And they've got to do it this season. And at the moment, it looks very difficult for them. You can't... You know, West Ham have improved over the last few games, Tom, as I'm sure we'll get onto at some point mm. here. But, you know, Arsenal would have been expecting to beat West Ham. Mm. Uh, what else grabbed you from midweek? 
well, the last three minutes at Sellers Park oh, weren't great, were they? Man, oh man. I was watching uh, Huddersfield v Chelsea. It wasn't the best game. In about 87 minutes, I thought, you know what? I'll just, I'll go downstairs. Pop it on. No, 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 I'll go downstairs. I'll just wash my plate up. Wash, right. wash my dinner up. And <laughs> and then, because I saw Watford were winning and the goal updates were coming up. and I, and I kept Three it. points, bus is coming. And then, so the game was off and I went back down, done my plates, done my dinner. I looked at my phone, so I wonder where Watford are on the table now. It must be about eighth now. Well, Burnley have won. Okay, we're probably about eighth or seventh. But hang on. Two, two, one. We lost two, one. I thought we were home and dry. It looked like we were Palace were playing terrible. Yeah. We were comfortable cruising, and then Tom cleverly gets sent off. Another player gets sent off for mm. us, and you know we capitulate. And have you heard the most about Reds this season? You must be up there by this point. I think we're up there. It's been ill discipline has been a real problem in the last sort of two or three seasons. We had a lot of red cards. Um, one thing that we are the, the worst at, or best at, depending mm. on which way you want to look at it, uh, is giving up points from winning positions. Yeah. We've done that more than any other team in the league this season. And, and it started, at the start of the season, we kept getting like late equalisers or winners, but it's turned the other way now. We have squandered points, and mostly through fault of our own. And it's, it's, it's a problem for Watford and for Marco Silva because they've had a really good first two or three months and they, you know, they don't want it to sort of slip away. I think Watford will be a club that are active in the transfer market in January. Uh, and Palace, that happy knack that teams down the bottom oh, need. Get yeah. the ball to your talisman in Wilfred Zahar and hope he's able to create something for Just you. Just don't give it to Benteke. Just don't give it to Benteke, <laughs> whatever you do. Give yeah. it to give it to one of the give it to one of the McCarthy's or whichever one they've got. Put him in midfield. I mean MacArthur. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. That's that's kind of the joke. But fine. But I, I love I love Wilfred Zahar. I love watching him and uh, it might be their undoing at one point that all they do is keep getting the ball and keeping their fingers crossed. But he does. He's doing things on the ball right now that you, you just don't envisage anyone to be able to do. You know, you can't, you can't see him dropping the shoulder one way, then flicking it off his studs the other way, beating a man, then finding a man, yeah. you know, and also cheating for penalties. You know, he's, he's doing a lot of great stuff for Palace right now. It, it, it's proper Roy well, the Rover stuff. There's a reason why Manchester United bought him. He was Alex Ferguson's last signing, I think. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that sounds right. Yeah, so there's a reason. He's got talent. It didn't work out for him then, but... Definitely, if he keeps playing like he does and he has a good few seasons at Palace and keeps continuing, there's no reason why he can't get back up get back up to that level. Palace haven't scored a goal away from home all season. West Brom haven't won a game since August. Still above West Ham. We'll talk about that as the programme continues. We've got Matty Etherington and we've got Paul Mortimer joining us as we preview a massive weekend of Premier League action as the festive feast of football continues. Two minutes into added on time. It's Palace 2. Substitutes the man who's steered the ball home again. It's come down the left hand side. Familiar, I think, was the man who gave the ball away initially. And when it's pulled back by Zaha back into the path of uh, MacArthur, he's done really well to sweep the ball home from the edge of the you are listening to the Premier League preview show for game week 18 of the season. Um, there was a brief moment of hope for Crystal Palace this week because on Tuesday night when they done Watford late on, they were out of the relegation zone for the first time this season. Incredible scenes at Selhurst Park late on again. They're now back in the bottom three because West Brom picked up a draw at Anfield on Wednesday. Palace go to Leicester this weekend and that's about the worst team you are facing in the Premier League right now on the great form they're on. Uh, Leicester, a few weeks ago when Claude Puel came in, we were talking about them being relegation candidates. Right now, they find themselves just five points away from fourth place 
Tottenham. Incredible how the season can turn around. If you're listening outside the UK and Ireland, you'll be able to hear commentary of Leicester against Crystal Palace with TalkSport's global broadcast partners. The co-commentator for that game is a former Crystal Palace player. It is Paul Mortimer who joins us on the line. How are you, Mort? You right, mate? Hi. Yeah, I'm fine. Fine. How are you? Everything good? We're doing very well, Paul. Um, Crystal Palace doing pretty well at the moment. Uh, It's amazing that a few weeks ago, they were seven games, no points, and scored a goal. Uh, we're, yeah. we're a few games on from that. They're still in the bottom three. But there is an air of positivity about Crystal Palace and an air of Roy Hodgson is getting things right. Well, as much as you say it's Roy Hodgson, it's, it's the Wilf Zaha factor because he's creating stuff out of nothing. The, 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 the winning goal from Akasa the other day created by Zaha ghosted past two players like they weren't there. Um, I've, I've said before, actually... On, 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 on previously that him, he's a factor. He's a match winner. He's a, he's a game changer. And that's what he's done for them time and time again. And it's no coincidence that when he came back to full fitness and playing in the first team, they started, there's a, a, an upturn in their results. It's not a surprise at all. So Hodgson, you know, yeah, you give him the plaudits, but Zaha for me is the one. Do you think then that, that Roy didn't have a great deal to do when he came in at the start of this season because the quality is there, this, the, the remnants of Allardyce and great organisation, would that have been fairly easy for Roy and was the important thing to do the business at the other end? Well, the thing about it is Roy will go in there. He's been, there isn't a situation he hasn't experienced before. So he's not, he's not going to be in a flap about any of it. What he'll recognise is what's missing. And you could see quite evidently what was missing was a creative spark. And all he had to do was keep them competitive until Zaha came back. Uh, because as far as I'm concerned, he's the cherry on top. And, and he has shown it since he's been back, where a, a huge percentage of their goals, penalties, free kicks, everything, have come from him. Mm. And, and, and so all he had to do, Hodgson, was get the team organised. And, and what they're, they're, they're difficult to beat now. The games are tight. And when, in tight games, it's always a bit of a mistake or a bit of individual brilliance that changes things. And for Palace, it's been the Zaha factor. One thing that hasn't changed since Roy Hodgson has come in is the form of Christian Benteke. Still goalless. You know, we had the situation last week where he, he missed another penalty after wrestling the yeah. ball away from Milivojevic. What do you think is going wrong in general with Christian Benteke's game, Paul? I look at him, and, and, and again, I've said this before on numerous occasions, I don't think he works hard enough. I don't think he does enough. I don't think he's enough of a target. I don't think he's enough of a presence. Palace are in trouble at the back. They look forward at someone who's really going to hold the ball up for them. And he's, I, I just don't see him as that. And you can see he's desperate for a goal. I have no problem with, with um, uh, Benteke wanting to take the penalty. He shouldn't have been allowed to. It's Milivojevic that I'm looking at. Because mm. if I'm the penalty taker, absolutely no way is anyone taking the ball off me. That, that's what concerned me. And his teammates, they know he's missed his last three penalties or, or something like that. He should not be anywhere near a penalty. But everyone else has allowed him to take it. As a centre-forward, you're greedy. You are greedy. You are, you are inherently selfish. That, that's why you're supposed to be a, a goal scorer, good at what you do. So that stands to reason he's going to try and take the penalty. But he shouldn't have been allowed to do it. I think he's got to work smarter, not so much harder, Smarter. I just start, I think he reacts to everything. He doesn't leave the line, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Um, and, and, and maybe maybe he needs to be that impact player coming on the pitch because at the moment he doesn't 
it doesn't give enough for me um, as, as a centre forward leading the line for Crystal Palace. Yeah, they haven't really got anyone else they can bring in. Maybe Bakary Sacco scored. Um, yeah, c- could could maybe get a start up front. I know he's a winger, but he has played up front. Would you imagine that Roy would make the move this weekend? He'll look at Benteke, look at his form. He said publicly it's a concern. He told us all it was a unilateral decision to make that penalty call the other week. I mean, do you mm. think that he would be brave enough at this point? And is it brave to say, look, Christian, you're rubbish, you ain't playing? Um, I think what you have to do, he'll look at what's, what's better for the team. It was better for the team for Benteke to be up there. So, for example, the best example I can give is, if you look at Romelu Lukaku at the moment, before the, the, the game the other day, he hadn't scored, but some of his play up there warranted him being there. It, and, and that's where I look at Benteke. If his play up front warrants him being there, take the goal scoring out of it, then I'd keep him. Mm. If his play isn't good enough, if, it doesn't, if he doesn't link play, if he isn't an asset, taking his, his goal scoring away from it for a second, if he's not an asset then he shouldn't be on the pitch as far as I'm concerned. If he's not giving something, if the goals aren't going in, then he shouldn't be on the pitch. It's a decision Roy has to make. And my problem is he hasn't got anyone else. And like you said, if, if, if he does pick someone else, it's not a conventional uh, centre forward. Mm. And so that's what I think. Benteke is probably the best of a very bad bunch. And, and that's probably why he's he, he stuck with him. Hoping that one might go in off his backside and he'll get running, he'll go running again. Paul, just really briefly on Leicester, they face this weekend. Uh, we've been very impressed by their form in recent weeks. A massive win for them at Southampton. A big win mm. for Claude Puel as well. Just five points outside the top four from this point. Um, how impressed have you been? Has he done anything particularly? I mean, we, we keep looking at these managers. Five have been changed. Mm. All those teams had quite good squads. So what is it they do to come in to make these guys start doing their jobs again? Well, I think he's just he's, he's done something to Mari and to Mari Gray. I think he moves Gray centrally and, and, and you saw him just kick on a little bit. Um, this has livened up Myres because I think that's the difference. Vardy's been playing well, but he hasn't had the service. Now, all of a sudden, Myres has started scoring goals, has started producing the performances, and also has become slightly difficult to beat at the back again. You know, that, that's kicked in again. So they've kept it tight, and what they know is if they get the ball forward, they have threats going forward. And basically, they've just... For some odd reason, I can't tell you why, they've just started to blossom again. And they look a serious threat on the counter-attack again, which is something that hasn't been happening recently. But all of a sudden, they're back at it again. They're difficult to beat again. Keeper's doing his business. The centre-halves are playing well. But it's on the counter-attack where they're back again to, mm. to, to their very best. Um, moving on to West Brom, who take on Manchester United this weekend. It's a 2.15 uh, UK time kickoff on Sunday. I wanted to ask you about Albion because they brought in Alan Pardew to replace Tony Pulis, and it is obviously mm. a real style change in the sense that um, Pards is a bit more forward thinking. He is a bit more positive, but by which I mean forward thinking, not like enlightened. He's not exactly mm. uh, Rembrandt or mm. something like that. He's not like Da Vinci. But the mm. thing is, what he has done, he's stuck three guys up front, and yet they haven't scored. Yeah. And if you don't yeah. get the new manager bounce with Alan Pardew, who comes in. And, and brings that huge persona in and says, right, everyone, let's have a big mm. lift here and go for it. If that hasn't happened, and it's Man United this weekend, what is then offering games four, five, six, seven? Well, what, the, the, the thing that normally happens is you do get an upturn in, 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 in performance. By that, I mean they run harder, they're more committed, you see that, that real energy about them, but that doesn't give you goals. That doesn't guarantee you goals. And before this, 
they couldn't score. And that's their biggest single problem is everything else works. They can defend well. They can make games tight. They can do all of that. They pose very little threat in the opponent's box. Mm. That is the biggest problem you've got. And, and what used to happen with them was they were difficult to beat. They kept games tight because defensively they were very strong. Now, that's where the problem's been. It, it, even under Pulis, they've never been prolific. They've never been prolific. But what they've been is very good defensively. Now, that, that's where things have changed. That's where the poor runners come along. So what Alan Pardew has to do is stop that rot. It, it just by stopping conceding goals. Whatever goes on in the attacking uh, uh, area is probably a bonus for him. He's not even concerned with that, I'd say. The most important thing for him is to stop them getting beat. Mm. And, and he's done that. He's done that. And, and, you know, Manchester United come out, it will be the same thing. They will frustrate the hell out of Manchester United and hope that they might nick something uh, uh, um, uh, 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 offensively but one thing you do know and I feel sorry for the West Brom fans it's not going to be pretty mm. <laughs> it's not going to be it's going to be more of the same it's not going to be pretty they're going to frustrate they're going to play four and, 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 and just I would say you know it's six three up front yeah it will still be five defenders I'm telling you four or five and, that's that, and, and Rondon will be up there by himself I, I really do believe they will get the, the two auxiliary sort of uh, supportive forwards going up to make the three, but when they lose the ball, it will be a five. Yeah. It'll be a five in midfield, uh, uh, frustrating Manchester United, denying them space in the areas where they like to, to have the ball. And, and literally, you know, I, I expect it to be a nil-nil. I, I really do. That's what he'll be going for. Well, that would be a pretty decent really... result for, for West Bromwich Albion, who have well, got 14 points right now. Swansea win, West Ham win and Palace win. Uh, West Brom will be bottom should they lose this weekend. So, you well, know, it's, it's still very tight down there, but you don't want to be bottom uh, at any point. Let's, let's talk about the team that no. are bottom briefly poor. Swansea City, they take on Everton on Monday. Uh, mm. another poor performance from them, but of course it, it was against Man City, so there are caveats to it in midweek. Mm. Heavy mm. loss as well. I mean... But they got that massive win, though, last week against West Brom, which was huge for them. Well, this is what I wanted to ask you, really, because you talked about Lukaku, <laughs> we've talked about issues with forwards. Wilfred Bonny mm. scoring 2-2, two two, and the way you rifled that ball in as well for that victory mm. on, on Saturday. Is that mm. an element of hope for Swansea, that Wilfred Bonny might return to some of that classic form from three years ago? Is there any other thing they could hold on to at this point? Well, Wilfred Bonny's form of a few years ago, that was, if you remember rightly, Routledge was flying, I think Dyer, Nathan Dyer was flying, Sigurdsson was flying. That, uh, uh, they, they had that, that, that ability to... Three to, of that four still there. Three of that four yeah, start yeah. the weekend. They, 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 they are, but they're not performing. Wilfred mm. Sigurdsson was huge. They had that creativity about them, that spark about them, which isn't there anymore. I've got to say, that free-flowing football that they used to play, we're not seeing that anymore. In fact, they're a team that are bereft of any real confidence at the moment. And I would say they play up until the first goal. If, if they, they uh, lose a goal, heads drop very, mm. very quickly. And it's very, very difficult. For them. I mean, if you consider Everton at the moment, you know, this is the Sam Allardyce facts unbeaten in the last... Last four games, I think. Mm. Um, I think it's 11 points out of the last 18, let's say. So they're on the up. Decent win against Newcastle. They're on the up. So they'll be expecting to beat uh, 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 Swansea. I think I was at one of their home games recently, Everton, when they played Huddersfield. It was an ugly game. But they got the job done. And I think that is what uh, uh, Allardyce will do. It's not about pretty football at the moment. It's about winning games. And he'll be looking to nullify whatever... Uh, uh, strengths that, that, that Swansea have at the moment 
and, and he'll be looking to, for them to impose themselves. And I can only really see Everton winning what will be probably an ugly-looking game, but, but they'll win because Swansea seem not to be able to... Yeah. There doesn't seem enough fight there. There doesn't seem enough fight there for me. Yeah, reports of the Everton crisis greatly exaggerated to Big Sam's advantage. He's now suddenly in charge of a team in the top ten who are trying to buy the likes yep. of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, where a few weeks ago we were talking about him being in the championship. It was never going to happen, mm-hmm. and Allardyce took full advantage, and why not? Uh, listen, Paul, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Paul's part of our commentary team on TalkSport International this no weekend, problem. covering Leicester against Crystal Palace. When we come back, we're talking about City Spurs, the big one of the weekend. That is the full-time whistle. A huge win for the Hammers on home soil in the London derby against Chelsea. Arnautovic, the hero, his goal after six minutes. Enough to topple Chelsea, who could lose ground in the title race. West Ham are out of the bottom three. Level of points in 70 with West Bromwich Albion, who play later today. David Moyes has his first win, and it's come in emphatic style. You are with the Premier League preview show for the 18th week of this season and the second weekend of this really busy, festive fixture period where there's tired legs, there's rotating squads and surprise results as well. There'll be no result more surprising than if Manchester City get beaten this weekend. 15 straight wins, 11 points clear at the top of the Premier League table. Can anyone stop them? What about perennial also-rans top them? They got the bronze medal a couple of years ago, the silver medal last year. No chance, you'd imagine, of the gold medal this time around. How they get on at the Etihad this weekend. We're joined by our former Spurs winger to find out in Matthew Etherington. How are you, mate? You are right? Very well, thank you. Listen, let's talk about Spurs and how they go about getting something against Man City this weekend. If anyone can, you'd imagine Spurs would be able to. What's the game plan? How do they play against Manchester City? Um, I don't think it will be a Manchester United type of performance. I do think they'll have a go at City because if they have got any vulnerabilities at all, it is defensively. So I'm sure they'll go there and have a go. Just whether they can keep um, Manchester City out, and I do. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. The losses um, all the way around to, to Tottenham has really yeah. hurt them recent weeks, albeit the results have been okay. 
I still don't think think they've been that convincing in their performances, but um, Alderweireld's been a big miss, so I, I think that will be key on on Saturday as well. Drop eight points in their four Premier League games in November. Got a win against Brighton in midweek, though. If it wasn't for Serge Aurier's cross come shot going in, yeah. I wonder how that one would have developed because Brighton were, were defending very, very well. Uh, Deli Ali was dropped and or rested, depending on how you look at it. Lamella came in and they replaced each other for the last fifteen minutes or so. Um, what do you made of, of Deli Ali's form? certainly in recent weeks, but also across the season as well. For me, he just hasn't had the same kind of info, impact that he had for maybe the 18 months previous. No, I completely agree. He's really struggled, and um, it's quite worrying when you're going into a World Cup year as well. Um, he had a decent game against Real Madrid in the Champions League, but in the Premier League, I think he's been disappointing. I think a lot of it has got to do with when teams are going to Wembley, the majority of teams anyway, they're going and defending. You know, there's a low block, so to speak, of four or five at the back, packing the midfield. And he's finding it hard to find space. Um, and that's why he's got to improve his game now. He's got to find a way of it affecting the game when teams are coming to Wembley and doing that. And I think he's really struggling. Uh, it's probably the right decision from Pochettino to, to leave him out in midweek. Um, maybe that'll give him the kick up the backside that he needs and, and um, the hunger that he needs because he's looked, um, he's looked quite flat in recent weeks. Um, and with Man City, I mean, we were talking about them earlier on and how fantastic they have been. David Silva, uh, the GOAT, as he's known these days, for annoying reasons. Um, what is it about Man City this season uh, that has meant teams can't touch them? Because essentially, we looked at this lineup last year, and we went to this game last year, and I thought from the outset Spurs had a real chance against them. So where have the improvements been? Because the playing personnel hasn't changed a great deal. No. Um, when the keeper, for a start, whenever he's called upon, uh, he, he produces, and he produces quality saves, his, his um, distribution on the ball, his first touch is, is frightening to watch, really, for a goalkeeper. And the fullback situation, Walker's been a revelation, albeit they paid a huge transfer fee for him. Delf um, has come in and done well on the left-hand side. Danilo comes in and does OK when he plays. They just bought well in the summer, um, albeit, obviously, why the other did have a an open checkbook, but he's bought the right players and he's improving players. That's yeah. what you've got to say about him. I think Conta Mendy's improved. I think John Stones, up until his injury, had improved. Um, Delft's improved, obviously. So, Sane's you know, improved. Sterling's improved. Yeah, Sterling. So, you know, there's been improvement all over the team and I just think they're a level above or, or two or three levels above to anything in the league at the minute. They're that good and they're an absolute pleasure to watch. So does that mean then for Spurs to get back up to challenging for the Premier League title, they need either A, and I don't mean this season, I mean going forward, they need uh, City to, to come away from this level and they're never going to be able to keep this level going for year on year. No one ever has been able to do that uh, in English football. Or will it take a massive investment in Tottenham Hotspur's playing style? Firstly, to keep the ones they've got and secondly, to add to them because at times this season, yeah. I mean, Davinson Sanchez, yes, he was £40 million, He's not ready, nowhere near ready. And it's all well and good saying, well, we lost Carl Walker and brought Serge Aurier in. Not of the same quality. Uh, and it's the same for Danny Rose when he's not out. Ben Davies is good in, it's good enough, good in fits and starts, whatever. But he's not anywhere near the level Danny Rose got to last year. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And that's probably some of the criticism that's aimed at Daniel Levy is that he hasn't spent. And he's always trying to balance the books. Um, and I think, like you said, it may be... You know, next season, Mimmons New Stadium, Kane and the likes of Ali, etc., will stay for one more season. But they've got to start winning trophies. And to do that, and uh, to keep up with the likes of City, and I'm sure United will, will spend big again. Liverpool, obviously, need a whole new defence. So well, you'd like to think that they'll go out and get that. 
um, there'll be teams spending big. Spurs have got to do exactly the same if they want to keep up. So it's down to Daniel Levy to do that because they notoriously, over the years, he doesn't really like spending the big money. It's one of those games, this, that's got such great recent history in the Premier League. You think about Peter Crouch's header uh, when Spurs got in the Champions League above City. What was that, five years ago? You think about, well, I think about certainly Soldado's penalty. Miss Dave, you got any stats, facts, figures that can bring us a bit of the recent history of, of this match and, and draw us in? Why should we be watching it with City so far ahead? Well, Man City are winless in four Premier League games against Spurs since they previously had a run of four consecutive victories. So they haven't won in four against Spurs. But as we've, as we've already discussed, it's a completely different ball game mm. this season. And I think that's what's interesting. In previous seasons, Spurs have been able to go to Man City and go toe-to-toe. And in some ways, Man City and Pep might have looked up to Spurs last season and think that's, you know, they're, they're a team playing as good football as anyone in the Premier League. It's not like that this season. Mm. Are Spurs going to have to really alter their game plan and, and, and be perhaps the, the sort of team that normally come up against Spurs, and that's one that sort of has to try and defend and catch them on the counter. Uh, listen, let's move on to another game that, that's got a lot of interest for, for Matty Ethington this weekend. Uh, the club he's synonymous with, beloved at, the, the mighty Hammers visit, a club that, of course, he finished his Premier League career at Stoke City. Uh, you were covering the West Ham game for us uh, in midweek, Matt, the Arsenal game, and, of course, you yeah. would have seen them get a win over Chelsea as well. Is there a reason to be cautiously optimistic of a West Ham win and maybe getting out of the bottom three for the first time in two months? Well, as you said, well, as you just said, Tom, and every West Ham will use the word cautious. It's probably the right word to use in, in this situation. But there has been you know, decent signs and positive signs uh, in the last three weeks with a sign from the game at City where they were competitive. Um, and then obviously the Chelsea game and Arsenal again last night. You know what David Moyes has done when he's, since he's gone in. It isn't rocket science. He's not. Um, you know, there's nothing new there. He's just got them organised and he's got them running about a bit. Um, and and that's what that's what the team needed. The team looks so unfit, so disorganised, especially against the top teams at home. And he's addressed that, and they look a lot better side. It's just now whether against the teams in and around them and, and the teams around mid table, um, whether they can add that. You know player going forward and um, you know, show signs in, in the last few games um, with Anatovic coming to a bit of form now Antonio's coming back to fitness although he, he looks like he is struggling to last 90 minutes but hopefully he'll get there so they're, they're positive signs and um, as a West Ham fan um, you've got to be positive going into this Stoke game because this Stoke crowd are ready to turn on Mark Hughes on Saturday um, if West Ham score the first goal so um, what they've got to do is go there be tight as a team as they have been in recent weeks and look for Anatovic and the likes to, to create something going forward. And Dini's been quite, quite in recent weeks, so I'll be expecting a performance from him. Um, but it's definitely a game West Ham can go and win. You're absolutely right there, Matt, you, as you alluded to. The tide is turning at Stoke. The fans are getting restless. And, mm. and, and yeah. you talked about organisation from West Ham. Well, Stoke used to be a team that were renowned for their defensive organisation, yeah. but they are now the side that has kept the joint fewest clean seats in the Premier League this season. They've only taken 41 points from the last 41 Premier League matches under Mark Hughes, which isn't mm. good enough, really, if you put that over a season. No, exactly. It's not good enough. And, you know, that's, that's the problem with Stoke fans. When Mark Hughes first come in, let's get it right, he's, he's done a decent job early on. I think it's two or three ninth-place finishes in a row. I think last season was 13. Um, and he's done a decent job taking over from Tony Pierce. But as, the, as you just said, the, the, the team I was um, playing in, you know, five, six years ago, four or five years ago, was synonymous with being 
very good defensively and, and that's exactly what we were and we just had a little bit of talent going forward and, and could create stuff but more more often than not we were a defensive team we would like to keep clean sheets and I think the club's gone away from that a little bit under Mark Hughes I think they're on average this season conceding two goals a game and if you're doing that in the Premier League I don't care who you are going forward um, unless you're Manchester City you're going to struggle to stay in the league and um, that's the biggest problem at the minute with Stoke is conceding too many goals Smashed by Spurs last week beaten by Burnley in midweek Mark Hughes has said he doesn't think performances have been that bad but once again referring to Tuesday we lost the game having done more than enough to have gotten something from it when he says things like that, but I'm watching these games thinking they're not doing enough here. That, that you know, from yeah. from the outside perspective, I'm not seeing enough being done. And, and the Spurs game, I mean, to, to watch Duve not running back, to watch Shawcross basically lapping about eight people to get back defending because other people haven't done it from a from a Stoke corner, which Spurs are countering on. They're not doing enough, are they? So why is he saying that? Because no one's convinced okay. by that. And, and if he's convinced by it, it's even more worrying, isn't it? Because if he thinks they're playing well and they're not getting results then it is really time to get worried if you're a Stoke City fan. So, you know, I, I don't buy into that, to be honest with you. And like you said, the, the way they capitulated against Spurs in that second half, let's get it right. I don't think Spurs are that great on the day. Mm. Um, and, and they still beat Stoke 5-1. And the way they capitulated and the goals that they conceded, the manner of the goals, just wasn't good enough. And, and that's what's really worrying to me, um, looking at that team at the minute. There's not enough in that team. You know, enough fighters, enough players that will go in after the game and, you know, you know, have a shout at each other and, and tell each other that things aren't right. You're not doing this right. There's not enough, enough of that. There's too many people in that change room. I don't think uh, are too bothered about you know tracking back, running back, putting a shift in for the team. There's some decent players there on the ball who, mm. when they get on the ball, are very, very talented. But going the other way, not so much. I think uh, it's an interesting game this weekend. If West Ham win, they go above Stoke City in the table. They climb to 17 points, and Stoke would stay just below them. Um, but, you know, every time there is a, a bit of a dawn at West Ham, usually we lose about 8-0, so I'm not that positive. Listen, really briefly on Arsenal, of course, you, you covered the, them in, in midweek as well. Um, mm. And there's been a lot of reaction to Alexis Sanchez losing the ball 20-plus times in the game, as it is were having almost no impact in it. They were tossing balls towards Giroud. It didn't quite work out. What Arsenal player do you think came out of that midweek game with any credit? And would you change a great deal from that team because he went four at the back having played three at the back since April and that was a bit of a surprise didn't quite work out yeah it was and the team selection before the game was a bit strange but having said that you know, if you look at Maitland-Niles who went in at left back I thought he was one of their better players he was decent albeit he didn't have a lot of um, people up against him on that on that left hand side I thought Wilshire was the best player um, without affecting the game a great deal um, some of his touches some of his passing um, just oozed class for me and that's a encouraging sign. I think he'll only get better if he does get that run in the team. But yeah, they were toothless, um, as you just alluded to. Uh, they're very pretty up to the you know, the penalty area, they're passing. Um their passing was sharp, it was incisive, but there was no cutting edge. Um there was ball put into the box for Giroud, etc. But for the likes of a Bonner, um, Winston Reed, that's food and drink for them and they'll deal with that all day long. They didn't really create too much. Um probably Wilshire's chance was the best in the game. And, and I think that if they were there for another 90 minutes, they wouldn't have scored. To be honest with you, I thought West Ham defended really well, but you know, Arsenal couldn't open them up, and, and that's the worrying thing for me. You know with Arsenal, especially against the top teams, but against really any team in the Premier League, they're always susceptible to, to conceding at the other end, and um, that's the biggest problem for, for Arsenal Wenger at the minute. I thought before the, the defeat to United, they looked very, very good. Mm. That's, there's always a full storm with Arsenal. That's the problem. People get sucked in and say, oh, they turn the corner. 
and then they go on the run of results that they've gone recently, obviously getting beat by United and drawing at Southampton and, and, and West Ham and those kind of results aren't going to get you in the Champions League, unfortunately. Always turning a corner, the perennial roundabout club. One final question on Newcastle, they face this weekend. Um, a, bit, a bit of free-fall for them at the moment, just one point in their last five games, uh, another defeat in midweek, all this takeover talk. Uh, Rafa saying, how much money am I going to have to spend in January? And, and there's no way of knowing that at this point, apart from the fact Mike Ashley ain't going to want any, put any money in. Um, and, and I've got a lot of concerns about Newcastle because I keep looking at that squad and I don't see a great deal of Premier League quality there. And in Kyle Darlow, they have got an accident <laughs> waiting to happen in goal. Drops another one to Rooney in midweek. Yeah, exactly. And it's a strange one. You're talking about the goalkeeper situation. I don't think Rob Elliott's done a, a lot wrong. Mm since he's been at the club, um, or since he's played this season, sorry, he looks steady enough to me, albeit not outstanding, but definitely a better option than Darlow, so that's a strange move. Maybe it's sending it saying to the board, look, I need a keeper. Um, but, yeah, but, you know, I, I look at the Newcastle up front, and you can say that probably about them all over the pitch, but especially in forward areas, you've got to score goals, and the likes of Dwight Gale, he's done it in the Championship, and you're a very, very good Championship striker. Is he Premier League standard? I'm not convinced, and, and they're at Jocelyn as well that he bought um, and that was his signing. I've seen him at Stoke plenty of times, and he's nowhere near good enough to, to keep you in the Premier League. So that's where they're struggling. Um, and, and they are in for a big struggle now. And I do think Benito's got to take some some part of responsibility for this now. You know, all the fans up there are blaming the board. Um, and that situation isn't helping anyone, uh, granted. But, you know, Benito's still got to put a team out there, work with them on the training ground, and they're just not performing at the minute. And they look a, a pretty average side. Mm. Going to be tough against Arsenal this weekend. Matthew Etherington, former Premier League star, thanks for your time on the preview show this week. Lose more to get through. Let's talk Chelsea when we return. You're listening to the Premier League preview show for game week 18 of the season. Still a load more we want to get through on the programme. Let's start with this. Uh, Tom Rennie and David Walker with you. Uh, Chelsea against Southampton, 3 o'clock UK time this Saturday. Now, I was covering the Chelsea game on Tuesday against Huddersfield and... It is so difficult to judge teams in games like that because they really never got going, Chelsea. Like, at all. There was no need to. They were playing crossfield balls right to left, left to right, mm. Moses to Alonso. Huddersfield never laid a glove on him. It was embarrassing to watch Huddersfield. There was nothing like the Terriers team uh, that we saw beat Man United and push West Brom and, and all that. It, they were really poor. Uh, but it's interesting watching Chelsea. I want to talk about the game before that where yeah. they... Um, they were poor again against West Ham. And I was chatting to Alvaro Romeo, who's our Spanish editor here, and he's a, he's a big fan of Alvaro Morata. And I said to him, what's going wrong with Morata? Because he looks like, I mean, he got rested, of course, for Huddersfield. He should be back this weekend. And he, I was saying, well, what is wrong with him? Because we watched him a few weeks ago thinking he's got everything. And he said, it's evident in times like this that Morata has come through a finishing school. He's come through a, a youth period where he's kind of been taught how to play, how to act, how to behave uh, and, and he'll find this period quite tough, whereas Diego Costa had none of that. He came from the streets. He's a street player that bullied Chelsea back into games. Diego Costa plays against West Ham and he bullies Ugbonna. He makes sure Chelsea are in this game. He gets into a fight with Aaron Cresswell and he brings people through, whereas Morata, because he's perhaps relying on his classical training and he's in his finishing score and he's sort of like, well, I've got to go to something I learned when I was 11, 12. I was always coddled into playing this kind of way. Chelsea have got an issue right now, and I love this point. Chelsea have an issue right now fighting their way into games when teams are stopping them physically. That's what West Ham did. Uh, and that's what I would imagine this weekend that, that Southampton are going to try and do. They're going to have to as well, Southampton, because they 
were so woeful against Leicester at the weekend on on Wednesday night. Sorry, that was it Tuesday. Anyway, whatever it was, Wednesday. it all blurs into one by this point. Uh, but they were so woeful, they're going to need to fight because they're in the scrap, Southampton, and that might work against Chelsea. Well, that's really interesting what you say about Morata because I think it was notable on Tuesday night against Huddersfield that although his numbers are good this season, mm. he's scored good goals, he's been involved in assists, he, to, to the onlooker, he looks like he's done okay but when he wasn't in that team and they had Hazard in the false nine he had Pedro he had William buzzing around although they didn't have much to beat mm. it, it looks more fluid and it was it was looked better and I spoke to a few Chelsea fans and they they, they had the same opinion they sort of even though Murata scored they sort of prefer him not in the team and that there is a little bit of disquiet about him is has he got what it takes is he the right man mm. definitely lost something in Costa like you said there were definitely problems with Costa obviously he, he's you know, it had to be, end, didn't it? Exactly, it could yeah. be brilliant one minute, but he couldn't be rely- you know, probably couldn't rely on him as much as they wanted to. Um, but will we see going forward him echo the the the, the approach of Tuesday? Or will Morata come straight back in on Saturday? That'll be really interesting. Um, but Southampton, yeah, I mean, all the talk was about Claude Puel, wasn't it? Mm. They they unceremoniously binned him off in the summer because they weren't as enthused by his football. Uh, as they thought they may have been when he, when they got him in. Uh, well, in if the he was able summer. to get him playing like Leicester did this week, well, look what's happened. They might yeah. want him to stay. I mean, he has got. There can't be too many examples of this. Maybe, maybe David Moyes might be another one where they've been fired from a club, Puel in in Southampton and, and Moyes at Sunderland, and they've come back somehow with a better squad than the one they just got fired from. What Puel's got is better players in almost every position. He's got title winners. He's got pace. He's got quality. He's got money to spend. Something, I mean, something there. Yeah, I would say there's a huge difference. I, th- I, I think Not looking at those two difference. teams from the week, there aren't many Southampton players who played this week against Leicester who I think would get in the Leicester team. Mm, but there are quite a few coveted players in the Southampton mm. side. So, you know, Van Dijk. But the Van Dijk thing is baffling Bertrand. to me because Van Dijk is somehow being linked with Man City now. And that guy has not had one good minute since coming back into this team over the last couple of months. And there was a point when it was about 3-1 to Leicester in midweek, and he'd almost gone up front. It was almost like the days of sticking yeah. Chris Samba up front. Mm. They were just doing whatever they wanted. The, the Southampton team, I'm not saying it's poor. There's good players in there. I like Lamina, I like Romeo, but would I rather have Wilfred Ndidi in his current form? Yeah, I probably would. Would I obviously have Riyad Mahrez or Shinji Okazaki? Yeah, I probably would. He has somehow got a better squad. He somehow got a promotion for being fairly inept. Well, you say inept, but I made this point last season when he was sacked, and I know you disagreed with me, I know Southampton fans disagree with me, and fair play, they know more about their club than I ever will. But he did finish eighth in the league last season and did mm. come within a few, you know, if, if things had gone slightly differently, he could have won silverware for them last season in, yeah. in the League Cup. That isn't bad. They would take that now. Yeah, OK. I mean, you it wasn't an utter disaster, but... There comes a point when, and you are in this similar boat to me, if you aren't going to win anything, the week on week matters. The reason Alan Shearer is so revered at Newcastle isn't for winning the league like he should have done or winning cups like he should have done. It's what he did on the Saturday at St. James's. And what Gruppel offered at St. Mary's on Saturdays was dirge. That is what he offered. And when he lacks basic persona as well, it it was never going to work out for him. And, And for whatever reason, it is working out at Leicester. Maybe it's better players. Maybe they underperformed. I don't know. But that, we'll move on to Leicester you know, another time. But it's really about Southampton this weekend uh, and under Pellegrino. And, and quite rightly, they're questioning him because 
there's losing games. Everyone loses games. But what do we always say? It's, it's the manner of that defeat. I've seen West Ham lose games 3-0 and applauded them off because there was effort. There was organisation. You got done by a better team. They got done, I think, by, by Leicester. And some of it was just no one knew where they were meant to be. Romeo wasn't quite sure whether to go or stay. Him and Lamina at times this year have looked a great pairing against Leicester. It wasn't there. Buffal is enigmatic uh, and it didn't happen for him. Charlie Austin, when he doesn't get the opportunities given to him yeah. in that eight, eight yard, ten yard area, doesn't really do anything. It's else. funny how a few weeks can change things, though, because was it, did they beat Everton a few, heavily a few weeks ago, wasn't it? So they put stuck four past Everton. Yeah. 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 And um, yeah, well, I, I remember seeing a few things on Twitter and reading stuff in the papers over here about Pellegrino's looking a bit more confident. He's, you know, he thinks like he looks like he's growing into the role. It's, it's getting better. You know, a couple of weeks later, heavy defeat to Chelsea and it's, it's doom and gloom. There's no time to have long-term memory in this game, Dave. You know that. Yeah. It's this week and then we move on. You're only as good as your last preview show. Right, that's Chelsea-Southampton. I fancy Chelsea there. I think it's fair to say they'll, they'll, they're their favourites for it. Um, we talked about Burnley at the top of the programme. They go to Brighton uh, this weekend. It's an interesting one, this. If Burnley do have aspirations of European football, it's the kind of game uh, you need to be winning. And Brighton are having a little bit of a blip in, in, in mm. recent weeks. Uh, if you take the Liverpool game out of it, uh, they're not getting thrashed particularly by anybody, but they're a good defensive unit, Brighton. We've said they're all season long. Love their defensive cover in midfield. Central defenders, Matty Ryan, he was poor against Huddersfield, but the keeper in general I think is pretty decent. But this is the hard yards now, and the squad is thin. They had to play a player I, I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago, is the most hilarious footballer in the league, Ezekiel Scalotto. Had to play against Spurs in, in, in Wembley in midweek. The guy's just... He's a joke character. He looks like a character from the Muppets. He's absolutely appalling. But somehow he's playing in the Premier League because they've only really got 14 players. Um, but then again, Burnley have only had 14 players and they're in the and top working, four. It's working for them. But that's an interesting comparison for Brighton because I think some of the things you were saying there were things that people were saying about Burnley when they first came up. I don't think they got humiliated routinely. I don't, they may have had one or two big defeats, but generally when they did lose, it was by mm. the odd goal and they played pretty well. They are pretty solid. But, they didn't have enough goals, they didn't have enough numbers, they didn't have enough know-how in the Premier League. They learnt their lessons, they went down, they came back up. We'll, whether that will happen with Brighton, we'll wait and see. Chris Hewton is, is not a man who is unfamiliar with being let go from Premier League clubs and people saying he can't, can't quite do it, but maybe maybe they do. if they do go down and keep him, they do come back up. Because it, mm. it, it does look to me like, I know we're, we're not even at Christmas yet, and who knows, I hope they do well in the second half of the season, they prove me wrong, but it looks like they're going to, I'd say, they're one of the more stronger candidates of relegation. Mm. When you look at the players they have and the goals that they're scoring or lack of at the moment, it doesn't look good. But this is a, you know, the home games are really important for them. They started off the season with a few decent performances and good results at home against Burnley. It's an opportunity for them. Yeah. Hopefully there's some money for Brighton coming up uh, in January. I think they're going to need it. Uh, listen, let's go to Bournemouth-Liverpool. L- Liverpool are fascinating. Uh, I loved how spiky Jurgen Klopp was before the West Brom game. No matter about afterwards. Uh, and the interviewer said to him after that awful shambolic interview he gave a few days before yeah. where he was just pointlessly rude when the, when the question was perfectly valid. Um, and he did apologise, fair enough. But uh, again, he was asked before the game, you made another six changes here. Um, what on earth are you doing, essentially? And he said, I've opened a Pandora's box there. I'm not answering. I don't want to get involved in that. I'm making these changes. Right now, I played this pretty much their strongest team against West Brom. He changed 
from playing a, a weakened team in the derby, bizarrely, to their strongest team against West Brom. It didn't quite work out. And in those games, he's taken off star players early. To take off Mohamed Salah in the derby, when it's not won by that point, when it was 1-0 and still quite tight, bizarre, early on in the season, I was covering the cup game against Leicester, when Philippe Coutinho, he destroyed Leicester in the first half. He was winning the game on his own. And he took Coutinho off at half-time as a pre-arranged sub. Yeah, we just, we just want to give him 45 minutes tonight. I'm, I'm just not getting what the game plan is. If it works, you're like a tactical genius because you keep on their legs as fresh as you possibly can. But whatever the medical staff are saying, or whatever excuses the, you know, the Liverpool people in the media are coming out and saying because they want to keep on Klopp's side for whatever reason, essentially, if you ain't winning a game, you keep your best players on the field until the game is won. I don't get the rotation thing he's or doing, you, or, and they're suffering from it. Or you make substitutions at the right times that can change games. Mm. And a lot of Liverpool fans that I know, that seems to be a, a big criticism that they have of Klopp. Because they're, so, they're pre-arranged. He either makes the substitutions too late, or, or the wrong ones too early, or that gets the line-up wrong. And it seems to me that he's only really got one way of winning... And it's with all these good, atta- very, very good attacking players. But they scored more last season. Yeah. Which was incredible. And I was watching the, the Merseyside derby on Sunday, having watched Southampton v Arsenal before it, and Giroud came on and did what he always does, and that's yep. get a very good-headed equaliser or winner. It's a great header as well. It's yeah. a brilliant, brilliant goal. And I was saying to my friend who was watching it with, you know what, Liverpool need Giroud here. Mm. They, need, they don't really have anyone they can bring off the bench. I know they've got Sturridge. Even he isn't really... He's not going to flick one in, is he, in the 89th minute? It's unlikely. And he has his fitness issues, and he's he's not someone you can really rely on, unfortunately, because he is good when he's he's firing. But they need an an option. They need something that they can just, if they're struggling, to to finish these teams off, just bring him on and do something different. I agree with you. You should never let Andy Carroll go, and they can have him right now. (laughs) Um, Bournemouth, (laughs) the host of Liverpool on Sunday. It's the 4.30 UK time kick-off. Uh, they were beaten by Man U uh, on Wednesday. Uh, I was chatting to Phil, our, our commentator, and he was saying Bournemouth were the better team for long spells of it. They were in the game for long spells of it. Same on Bournemouth story, really. Find themselves two points out the bottom three, uh, but never really, I mean, tanked by anyone massively, but the, it's, it's always a game of fine margins. They should have lost last week, shouldn't they? Well, should have done, and yet, and yet, and yet didn't. You know, they got, they got a decent draw out of it in the end. I mean... I, I, I'm interested. I'm interested in Bournemouth. I, I said at the start of the season, I think they've got a championship squad, and it gets a lot out of them. And I, I don't see any different now to the start of the season. If they're able to survive this season, it will be through pure brilliance of coaching and managing that group. Um, there's other teams around there that I would rather have the squads of going into this stage of the season. And I'd fancy Liverpool this weekend. Uh, listen, nearly out of time. Watford, Huddersfield, three o'clock uh, Saturday. Um, Watford, you mentioned earlier on in the programme. It's, it's, it's odd watching Watford right now because they've still got all that great stuff they had at the start of the season. But is the back door too open right now? Are people getting tired? Is the squad too thin? What's happening? Why are the poor results coming? I think the, I think the defence is a bit of an issue. There's been a lot of changes in the lineup and... We've got some decent defenders, but I think we need a. I think Watford need, you know, a real quality central defender mm. who can organise and you can rely upon week in, week out, and can when we when they're what one nil up, or two one up or whatever, they can say, look, defend this game, defend this lead, take the points that are on offer, stop throwing away results, and also, the. Too over, far too over-reliant on Richarlison, who is mm. a 20-year-old Brazilian. Very exciting player, as we know. You can't rely on it, on him for everything. He's laying on chances at the moment, and unfortunately the strikers are not taking them. Mm. 
And we and Watford and Marco Silva, I think, will go out and try and buy a striker in the January transfer window because Gray has done some good things, hasn't scored enough goals. Deeney, unless it's a penalty at the moment, mm. isn't scoring goals. Missed from two yards out against Palace. Do you not think that was a little bit? I mean, that it deflected right into his path at speed. I think everyone's yeah. been, everyone's treating him like he's Ronnie Rosenthal. Like it wasn't that bad. I don't know. I think I think himself would say he'd be disappointed not to put that away. Yeah, I, I don't think it was that bad on old Troy. Uh, needs more cojones. That's what he needs. Uh, Huddersfield Town didn't show any ambition against Chelsea in midweek, but maybe they were never going to. I don't know. Um, but I tell you one thing: I did learn from that game and watching him in recent weeks. Uh, it doesn't matter if Mounier scored a couple of goals against Brighton, scored a couple of goals against Crystal Palace. That was a huge win for them against Brighton. Well, absolutely, you're absolutely right. But he, if I had a choice between him and Depoitre, I'm playing Depoitre because that was Juresque, his finish late on against Chelsea. When he came on, they looked better. They got a presence. And if you are going to be playing that way, which is super ultra mega defensive, you want your big man to be our hold it up. And Steve Mounier does nothing for me. Uh, listen, that's the end of this week's preview show. That's what we think is going to happen. Uh, stay with TalkSport's international partners for every single commentary from every single game and stay with TalkSport in the UK for selected games and great coverage right across the weekend. I've been Tom Rennie. He's been David Walker. We're still hungover from the Christmas party, so we're going home for a nice cup of coffee and we'll see you next week. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.